I'm ready for Jesus to come, aren't you? Well, the gremlins are at work. For some reason or other, one of the cords on the computer on the side here is not working, so you're going to have to use the manual method of using the Bible. So if you didn't bring yours, luckily there's one in the pew in front of you. But before we begin, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? We are ready for Jesus to come. This world is sick. But before Jesus can come, we need to be the light, the beacon that shines in this dark world to prepare people for that coming. Speak through me, O Father, through your Holy Spirit that you have given, that we might hear the words from upon high. In Jesus' name, amen. I thank God that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I just love the fact that we have a church that's here that is an important part of the community. I believe that it's more than a beacon. I believe it is a movement that is taking place right now. We had announced a couple of weeks ago about Walter Fife coming to the area. Um, May the 11th through the 22nd, for those of you who uh, we're not here when we announce that. A lot of things are happening. Bigger than we ever thought. We're getting responses from people all over the United States that are going to fly in. This may be so big that they're looking at now. We've got a committee of about 70 that are looking and we may have to have the meetings at a convention center. That's how big it is. One of the days that they're going to have it, not the convention center, but uh, Spectrum Magazine. You heard of Spectrum Magazine? Well, they think that Elder Vyth is at odds in their beliefs, so they want to have an afternoon to discuss things, to have an open forum. So Elder Vyth says, okay, I'll do that if we can have two things. It can be on the campus of La Sierra University and we invite the students to come. He says, I'm not afraid of what questions they might ask. So if you have friends and they're interested and they would like to help contribute, uh, we're looking at possibly getting support from ASI and from Amazing Facts and um, who knows what other but if they're going to send the funds here, so if you know of people who wants to send funds, have send to this church, we're going to be the, the uh, money counters. But the tickets are already purchased, and Elder Vyth is coming, so we know he's going to be here. We'll either have it at a convention center, or this place is going to be so packed, we'll fall off the side of the church here. We are such an important part of the community, and I want to share with you why I believe so. I want you to take a look, if you would, of all places in Exodus. 
soon as I get it here. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. It says that Moses was tending the flock of of Jethro, his father-in-law's, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb. And there appeared, the Lord appeared to him in a flame. A flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was, and I got a switch. The bush was not being consumed. So Moses looked to the side, looked over to try to see more about it. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Can you imagine being in Moses' shoes when that happened? You got a bush that's burning, but it's not, there's the fire, but it's not burning. And then the bush is talking to you. I bet you wondered what you had for lunch that day. And Moses cried out, here I am. And that bush says to draw, do not draw near. But take off your sandals from off your feet for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Can you imagine that? He was in the presence of God. What's amazing is the fact that God, when he came, he came down. You couldn't see God face to face or people would be consumed. But when he came down, he came down in a lowly form of a bush. Just like Jesus, when he came, he came with a body, a human body. Because if he came down in his holy presence, no one would be able to see him. And because God was there speaking to Moses, he says, says, this is holy ground. And God began to speak to Moses to tell him what he was to do. He was to go out. He had heard the prayers of the people. And he was to go back to the people and to say, I've come to deliver you from your bondage, from your slavery. And because of that, the Lord gave Moses a mission. Because now they're going to have to go out into the wilderness. And in this wilderness, God is going to speak through Moses and is going to reveal to them what they needed to know in order to be able to go into that promised land, to teach them, to guide them, to help them. Isn't that what our mission is? We're kind of like Moses. We've got a mission as a church. 
And so he had to take his feet off. He was standing on holy ground. He was in the presence of God himself. And it was amazing to him that he was there. Lance, you want to turn this down a little bit? It's ringing up here in my ears. There's another person who was instructed to take off his shoes as well, too. And that other person was Joshua, the one who was to take the place of Moses. Take the place of Moses. Could you imagine even trying to do that? We want to look at Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. And to help me, would someone stand and read that out loud for us? Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Would someone be willing to do that? Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. Okay, Josh, you want to do that? Out loud so we can hear. He was instructed to take his sandals off because he was standing on holy ground. He was speaking to God. Stop and think for a moment about Joshua because Joshua was the remnant of the ones that left Egypt. When the people left Egypt, they were taken to the border of the promised land. And remember, they sent spies in to check things out. And when they went in, they saw all the most of the spies except for Joshua and Caleb. When they came back, all they saw was the giants, the armies. They looked at the negative things. And it was Joshua and Caleb says, yes, but the God we serve is a God that will help us to go in there. Yeah, we did see those things, but God's going to help us. They had their faith. And they became the remnant of the whole. Are we the remnant of the whole in today's world, Christian world? Joshua was to be leading the people now because Moses died, was to be leading the people into the promised land. He was to maintain the same teachings that that Moses had been given by God. And then he was to lead the people to go up against the great obstacles that were going to take place before them, the great powers of the world, the great armies of the world, the great leaders of the world, and go in by the faith of God and overcome them. That's what we're supposed to do. I thank God for the Adventist Church. Take a look at Exodus 12, verses 21 to 28. Again, volunteers, stand to read. Exodus 12, 21 to 28. Exodus 12, 21 to 28. All of you jumping up all at once. Ah, Gary, thank you.
One of the first messages that Moses had to teach to the people that were in Egypt, to God's people that were there, was to learn to trust into the death of a sacrificial lamb and the blood of the lamb that's going to save them. That is the most important instructive message that can be given first, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's pointing to, is to the gospel of Jesus. And they had to learn to put their full faith and trust into him. Now, they'd already gone through nine plagues and seen all these strange things that God was doing and wondering what in the world's going on. And then God says, now take that lamb and sacrifice the lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. And by faith, you've got to believe that when it comes to that time when, the, when God comes and takes his vengeance out on the people, on the firstborn, that it's going to pass over your house if you're there with the blood of the lamb. Well, that took a lot of faith. I mean, everything else God had said actually happened. And now it's coming to this. Can they trust God? The question is, as the remnant in our day, can we trust God? If we do not trust God in His teachings, there's no sense of being a Seventh-day Adventist. Might as well leave. Can't make up our own things and say we've got to do this and this and this. It's either God's way or no way. Or God's way and the highway. Because if you don't want to do it God's way, you might as well go the highway. Because you're not going to be any good to the church. You're actually going to be a hindrance. So Jesus was a sacrificial lamb. They went on in their experience and they came to Mount Sinai and upon Mount Sinai they saw all kinds of strange things happening on that mountain. They felt it shake. They saw the lightning. They saw the clouds. They saw the smoke. They saw everything that was taking place up there. And God gave to them an instruction to bring Moses, to bring down to his people, to teach them. And that instruction was what? The Ten Commandments. If I need to know who God is, and, and put my faith in Him, then I have to put my faith into what laws governs heaven. Not what governs the land, what governs heaven. Does that make sense? Because that's where God lives. That's where I'm going to go. And so He gives to them the Ten Commandments to be able to follow those Ten Commandments. Then he does something else while they're out there. Someone read out loud Hebrews 8, verses 1 through 5. 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 Someone stand and read that out loud, please. All right, I got good volunteers.
Okay, so in that wilderness experience, God showed to Moses a pattern of something that was in heaven. What is that? The sanctuary. And he says it's got to be in sanctuary. It's got to be in heaven because that's where Jesus, who is our high priest, is located at this time. So whatever it is up there, to be able to see his laws, that God gave us the laws, to be able to trust, he gave us the sacrifice, to be able to trust in the blood. And then he says, now trust me, there is a ministry that's going to go on, and it's called the sanctuary, and it's up in heaven. And don't change anything what I give you down here on this earth, because if you do, you're going to die. So everything needs to be just exact, because it's going to be exact in heaven. There isn't going to be anything that's going to change or waver or anything like that. It's what it is. It is the main thing. What we had here on this earth is only the model. So what's going to take place, you see, here on earth is just a kind of a glimpse of actually with a ministry that's going to take place in heaven. And who is our high priest that's going to be in heaven? It's Jesus, not somebody here on this earth. We can't look to an earthly human being to be our priest. It's Jesus. And what he says and what he does, it's going to happen, right? And I've got to have faith and I've got to have trust. Because if I'm going to share a remnant message, I need to know these things. So, the sanctuary in heaven is a very important message that was not just given to the Old Testament people, but it's there for us to even know and understand what's happening today. Somebody read out loud Exodus 12, verse 12. Exodus 12, verse 12. Exodus 12, verse 12. Someone read that. Okay. What is God going to execute? Judgment. It's a little mini example what took place in Egypt before the people went to the promised land that there would be judgment. The same thing is going to happen on a larger scale before the second coming of Jesus in the promised land that we call heaven. There is a judgment. I can't change that fact. I can't sweep it under the rug. I can't say it's not going to exist. It exists. There is a judgment that's going to take place. And the remnant is to preach that judgment into the world. Someone read Daniel 7, 21 to 27. Daniel 7, 21 to 27. Daniel seven twenty one to twenty seven. Someone stand up and read it, or I'm going to have a little. There we go. Going to have the little kids read it. We'll get you the next one.
they shall change time and law, and they shall give unto him his hand until the time and time and the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it until the, until the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. Okay. The Ancient of Days is going to sit down. Where is that going to take place? Here, down here in the sanctuaries that's not even in existence anymore? It's going to happen in heaven. And he says a judgment is going to take place before the second coming of Jesus. There's a judgment that's going to happen before Jesus comes. I mean, how's he going to know who to take to heaven and who not to take to heaven if there isn't some type of a judgment that's going to take place? But it's a part of our message. It's part of being a remnant that we need to understand that the judgment is going to happen. In fact, the judgment is happening now. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. Sister is going to read it back there if she doesn't mind to volunteer again. Revelation 14, verses 6 and 7. Time is now. Yours might say the judgment has come. It's already started. This is the message that's to take place just before the second coming of Jesus. It's a message that his remnant is to declare to the world. That is their mission. The judgment has already begun. But there's many in our denomination that want to say there is no judgment. All I got to do is just believe in Jesus. There's no judgment. Well, if that's the case, then that's lying. Because it says it's already started. The judgment is happening. And it will take place. And when it is finished, then Jesus will come. It's important for us to know that and to believe that. Again, if we don't, there's no sense being a Seventh-day Adventist. Might as well go to another church. It's part of what we call the three angels' message, isn't it? So the messages of Daniel and Revelation cannot be true unless there is a real sanctuary in heaven. And I've got to accept that by faith. See, we're all taking a journey now to the promised land. We're all looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. We're all crying out, we want Jesus to come. We're like the Israelites in Egypt. We're tired of this world of bondage of sin. And we want to go to heaven. We want to go where there won't be any more sin. And we want to go to the promised land. But only those by faith, like Joshua and Caleb, are the only ones that are going to be able to get into that promised land. And I could believe in the teachings 
that God has given. And I have to come to a realization that what God says is what God says, and I can't change it one way or the other. God says there's to be a judgment. There is a judgment that's going to take place. God says there's a sanctuary. There is a sanctuary in heaven, the heavenly sanctuary. God says that Jesus is going to be the high priest. He is the high priest. He's ministering on our behalf. Praise God Do we have that message. But we're classified as a remnant. So what are we supposed to know? What are we supposed to do? If we are to be like Moses and Joshua, they had special messages. What's our special message? We call it the three angels message. But you know what's really strange? I've even talked to pastors who've been pastors for a long time in the Adventist church and I ask them, what do you say is the three angels' message? And they will read it to me or quote it to me. I says, okay, what does it mean? Well, you read it. The Lord will help you. What does it mean? What is, if this is our special message, and we've read it over and over again, what does it mean? What is it? Why is it so important? I'll tell you why. First of all, in the three angels' message, when you go to it, you can turn to Revelation 14 if you want. It's found there. If you go to Revelation 14 and you begin to look at it and take a look at the three angels' message, it's quite a long message that goes there. But as you begin to look at it, you begin to notice something. First, it says that we're to go and to preach. Now, this isn't just to a small group like what Moses was talking to, just a small group of people there. This is to be preached to the whole world. By the way, when it says that it's a messenger, it doesn't say the pastor. You are the messenger. And you're going to preach something to the people around you, and it's either going to be for God or against Him. That is your determination of what you're going to do. But we're to preach, and it's to go out to the whole world. Revelation 14, 6 and 12 really tells us that we're not only to preach, but we're to preach the everlasting gospel. It's the, it's the gospel of righteousness by faith. It's not what I do, it's what He's already done. It says that we are to help them to, to understand that they are to fear God. What does fear God mean? To have awesome respect and reverence for our God. There's too many people who no longer have reverence for God. You want to know why I dress up? I don't like to dress up. But you know why I dress up when I come to church? Because I'm coming to meet my God and I'm going to meet Him with my best. He's an awesome God. I want Him to know that I respect Him. I love Him. I cherish him, and I want to look the part. 
Boy, what would happen if you was to go to an interview for a job dressed in sloppy jeans and a torn shirt and everything else? I tell you what, you won't get the job. I want to go to heaven. It's not that my clothes will get me to heaven. It's just out of total respect and awe for God that I stand here in what I wear. I'm not here to impress you. I'm here because I love my God. Fear God. Verse 7, it says, The hour of His judgment has come. That's His investigative judgment. I've got to believe in that. That is my message that I've got to share to the world, is the judgment is taking place now. I cannot, I am not sharing any of the three angels' message if I say, there is no judgment, I don't believe in it, it's not happening, there's no, no sanctuary in heaven, forget that noise, that's nothing to me, that is not biblical. There is so much evidence about the, about the sanctuary in heaven, about Jesus as my high priest, and the judgment is taking place, that I have no excuse of saying that there is no judgment. And it has already come. Verse 12 reveals the importance of sharing and keeping all the commandments. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. The commandments are just as important today as it was when God gave it to Moses. And Joshua had to carry those commandments to be able to bring them into the promised land with him. We're going to bring the commandments of God into the promised land because that's what rules heaven. And I've got to believe it now. Revelation 14.12 talks about God's people who have the faith of Jesus. Do you know that it's by what I do that really reveals whether I've got faith in Jesus or not? If I sit there and I say, you know, I've got the faith of Jesus, I love him so much, let's go down to the bar and get drunk. That just doesn't work. James tells us that if I have faith, it will be revealed in my works. Faith without works is dead. So I have to have the faith of Jesus. Verse 7 calls people to worship Him who made the heaven and the earth. The only day that God set aside to be able to worship Him as a Creator was what day? It doesn't say any other day in the whole Bible. You can read it from cover to cover and it doesn't say anything else. If anyone else creates another day, it's man's creation, it's not God's creation. But... I must keep the Sabbath day holy. It's not just an intellectual belief. I have to keep it holy from God's time when the sun goes down Friday evening to when the sun goes down Saturday evening. I'm not to do any work. I'm not to buy and sell. I am not to seek after doing my delight on His holy day. I can do those any of the other days. How would some of you function if they had the Super Bowl game on Saturdays? I know what some of you would do. 
I'm to keep the seventh day holy. To worship the Creator. If He is the Creator, I have to believe that. If He is the Creator, that means I've got to believe in creationism, not evolution. I praise God that in April that we're having Tim Standish coming here and putting on a creation seminar. I want you to invite your friends to come to support that. Creation is important because if God is not the creator, then the Bible is a lie and then there is no God. He's the one that said in six days he created the heavens and the earth. I've got to believe that. Revelation 14.7 says that we need to give glory to him. What do we mean by that? Well, really, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, whether you, it says whatever you eat, drink, and do, do all to what? So to have the glory of God is our health message. Isn't it? Everything that I eat, drink, and do should all glorify God. That's the health message. We have one of the most, in our denominations, one of the most healthful health messages that is ever produced in the world today. And you know what? Our church has forgotten it. People are going to Hollywood to ask the movie stars how to become vegetarians. When a lot of the rest of us are still gnawing on a bone. Revelation 14, verses 8 and 9, we are to reveal to the world the identity of the beast and the image of the beast and the mark of the beast. We're not to hold it back. Oh, but pastor is what we heard. Oh, but pastor, we might offend someone. I never heard God says, now only give this to the people who will not be offended when they hear this, but keep it away from all the others. We want them to go to heaven too, don't we? Some of them are our own relatives. In verse 13, it talks, in the three angels' message, it talks about the dead resting in their labors. The truth concerning death. Jesus calls it a sleep. That the dead in Christ will, re- will rest in their graves until Jesus comes. And when he comes, the angels will blow the trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive will be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. It's a truth. But if you watch on television, they say, oh, you can communicate to the dead now. If you go to Hollywood, they say, oh, we communicate to the dead to know how to be able to play the role. Our politicians say, oh, we communicate with the dead to know how to govern so we don't make the same mistakes that they made in the past. They're not communicating to the dead, they're communicating to the devil and we need to tell them. Revelation 14, 14 tells us about the second coming of Jesus upon a white cloud. The visible event 
where every eye shall see him coming in the clouds. It's going to be audible. We're going to hear the trumpets of God. It's going to, we're going to feel it. The world is going to shake. Islands are going to fall down into the sea. It's not a secret like some churches teach. People need to know that. They think it's going to come this coming May. Well, if that's the truth, then we don't need to ask Walter Vite to come. But he's going to share the truth. And the truth is what shall make us free. Revelation 14, verses 10 and 11 talks about the destruction of the wicked by fire and brimstone. The world is confused about hell. They think that it's going to burn throughout all eternity. That's not a merciful God. God says the penalty for sin is death. Not life burning forever and ever. The world needs to know about that. They've been fooled all these years. Revelation 13 speaks about heaven. Heaven is a real place. People on earth do not believe. Many of them do not believe in a real heaven. But the Bible describes a heaven and we're to help prepare them for heaven. If we're going to help prepare them for heaven, we've got to talk to them about heaven and why they should go. Otherwise, they have no reason. Why should I go to heaven? To me, this church, the Beaumont Seventh-day Adventist Church, is on holy, sacred ground given by God for us to share the three angels' message in this community. And you are not here because of just a happenstance. You are here because God has put you here. And if you don't want that, if you don't want to believe in all that, if you don't want to believe in the judgment, you might as well leave. There's the door. But we've got a work to do. We have a sacred calling. We're to lead others to Christ and present to them the same truth that was presented clear back in Egypt, that was actually presented clear back when sin entered in in the Garden of Eden. That truth still needs to go to this world because God is the same yesterday, today, and always. He doesn't change. And it's clear what the message is all about. Jesus is our High Priest. And He is our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. This is His church And we have that same truth and the same power and the same responsibility that Moses had and that Joshua had. Maybe there's some this morning who's never been baptized. Or maybe you've fallen away and you feel the need to be baptized or re-baptized. I want to give you a chance, an invitation, to come to the front of the church. We're going to sing our final hymn. To come to the front of the church. We can make arrangements for your baptism or rebaptism in the near future. And if you need Bible studies, we'll help you with that. But I want you to come. 
If the Holy Spirit is leading you, I want you to come. Because it's time to take a stand and to hail the power of Jesus' name in this world today. We want to take our hymnals and as we're singing, if you feel impressed to come to be baptized or rebaptized, come forward as we're singing. Hymn number 229. Everyone, please stand to be sing number 229.
we're going to have his baptism in two weeks. So if there's any others who feel impressed to be baptized or rebaptized, get a hold of myself or Paul Schmidt, and we will make arrangements in the near future. But let's just pray. Father, we do have an awesome responsibility. We're either for you or we're against you. We either believe you or we don't. We're either going to share the three angels' message or we won't. I pray for an anointing to take place on Cal here and any others who are considering being a part of this church. Lord, bless them, anoint them, and lead them to be able to help share this message throughout this world. Dismiss us with your blessing now is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.